This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Amulet Books. Frank Einstein and the Brain Turbo is the third installment in the hilarious New York Times best-selling children's book series filled with inventions, science experiments, and baseball-playing robots by former National Ambassador for Young People's Literature, John Sheska, along with mad scientist illustrator Brian Biggs. That's Frank Einstein and the Brain Turbo, on sale now from Amulet Books. Welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Or, as one iTunes reviewer called us, a podcast go-to. Woohoo! Which would be different than a podcast to go. <laughs> is I it? guess it is. You could take us out. <laughs> hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumpener. We're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we'll talk about should you bring your own food to restaurants? Yeah, we have a lot to say about this. And when do you intervene with your kids? Wow, that's like the bazillion dollar question, I think. And finally, we'll close out our show, as always, with each of our cool picks of the week. But first, if you have questions, comments, want to share something personal about yourselves? Anonymously? <laughs> we won't tell. We're very discreet. Tweet us! <laughs> Publicly at Cool Mom Picks with a hashtag Spawn Show. No, I would say email us at Spawn at CoolMomPicks.com. That's more anonymous than Twitter. Yes, but if you have cool articles, things to share, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. You can find us, and we hope you do. All right, first topic, Liz. Oh, I'm so excited okay. about this. So, I have to tell you this very funny story. A few weeks ago, I was out with my dad and my stepmother and my boyfriend, my kids, we all like went out for brunch. My dad ordered pancakes and pulled out Uh in a total moment right out of Seinfeld (laughs) a giant jug of his own maple syrup and put it on the table. Wait, wait, hold on. (laughs) Wait. A whole jug? Yeah, like a giant, like a, you know, Vermont maple syrup gallon size. Where did whatever. he have it? Well, Where he, was it? I don't know. He <laughs> had it in some secret pocket somewhere. And he put it on the table and I said, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, well, I like real maple syrup. And I said, I understand that because I hate corn syrup on pancakes, right? And I said, but do they have it here? He goes, yes, but it's $2 a serving. What? And I was like, you can't bring your own maple syrup because you don't want to pay the $2 surcharge. He's like, but that's ridiculous. It's not even enough to cover my pancakes. It was like I'm talking to George Costanza's father right now. <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm kind of speechless. And now I wouldn't have brought it up, except he brought it up on his own Facebook page last week. Ooh. And there was a whole discussion. So I said, now it's fair game. We're talking about it on the podcast because I want other opinions yes. about it. Yes. So he had another friend who said, well, she brings her own maple syrup, too, because she likes, you know, like, a very special kind. Is this an kind. age thing? Like- no, no, because I have a friend who actually brings his own Old Bay spice. Because he loves it. He's from Baltimore, Balmar. And that's how that's what he likes to put on all his food. And I know people that bring little jars of Tabasco because they want to put it on everything. So I think it's okay if you're bringing your own condiments. I think, like, if you're, I don't know, if you're diabetic and you have a certain kind of, like, natural sweetener you have to bring. Okay. Like, I okay. got that, right? Yes. But to bring your own giant tub of maple <laughs> syrup that's enough to, like, feed all of Vermont for the whole winter <laughs> and put it on the table because you don't want to spend this $2 surcharge. 
I don't know. I said, well, that's how they make their money. That's like saying, well, I'm just going to bring in my own soda from at home from the refrigerator <laughs> since your upcharge is Seriously, too much. Right? So what do you think? Am I crazy? No. Because uh, a lot of people on his feed said, no, we should be able to okay. bring our own stuff. I, who are these people? I mean, look, I will judge you a little if you pull out like Old Bay from your pocket. Like, a little I, Old Bay? I, it's just like a little well, spicy. No, I mean, I'll, I'll joke. I'll make fun of you. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like, a, it's like a charming, endearing, quirky yes. thing that he does. You know, you have a special pink salt He's that you very like to bring. proud of being from Baltimore. But look, a special okay. pink Himalayan sea salt. I don't care if you bring a tiny little Tupperware container or you bring a big jug. You can't bring your own food to restaurants. You just can't do it, Liz. Well, then I was looking at um, Yelp and one of my favorite local restaurants, phenomenal, awesome little restaurant in Brooklyn, had like this negative review from a woman who said, I went in there and we all walked in with our own iced coffees from the deli next door and they said we couldn't bring in our own food and how dare they? One star. Oh my God. And I was like, you can't just walk into restaurants with like food and drink from other places. And I've seen people do this. They walk into the diner for breakfast with like Starbucks because they're like, well, I like the Starbucks coffee. Yeah. And my feeling is, that's finish how it restaurants you make go. their money. I know you got to finish it because there's a diner in my in my hometown too, and their coffee is terrible, <laughs> terrible. Sometimes and I so, like bad coffee. I yeah, I I just I just can't do it, and I just get a coffee before I go, and I get rid of it before I go to the diner. Like it's I feel there like it's go. respectful. Well, but I, it's like an entitlement thing that I think is weird. No, I think it's a little different than my dad. I think that's almost like the grandfather, like two dollars, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, but I think there's like this entitlement thing going on where people think, well, why can't I? bring my own coffee to a restaurant. And, you know, I always thought about it with kids, too. Like well, when our that's, kids were that's little, what I was just going to ask you. What do you think about Didn't kids? you bring Cheerios? Like, I would bring, like, a oh, little dude. Cheerios to like, keep the kids bag, entertained. attached to my butt. Like, Cheerios were everywhere. And I always I think brought that Cheerios. was okay. Unless you're in the fanciest of restaurants. I imagine that most restaurants are like, no, 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 that's fine. Or you're entertaining like a little thing kid. of baby food, I yeah. think, is okay. I would think so. Right. But I think when it comes down to, like, you unpacking your own, like, peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the table so that your kid can eat something because I've seen that in restaurants and I don't know it's one of those things that kind of I I guess I I have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry my ex is in the restaurant industry so I'm very sensitive to that stuff right but that's how they make their money (laughs) yeah and you know what I find overall that restaurants are super accommodating yeah that you know if you have a child like like some of ours who only eats like a specific kind of pasta with a just butter maybe sometimes with a lot of butter on special days (laughs) but no parmesan and They're, nothing green. I think at these, like this day and age, restaurants are really accommodating. You know, it's funny. A friend of mine is in the restaurant business, and I asked him this question. And he, oh, what did he yes. say? Okay, so he said he's a manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's yeah, like a GM and like runs okay. operations and like for a bunch of restaurants. But he was talking about his own experience where he goes to this deli every Sunday to do the crossword puzzle, and a family came in carrying a McDonald's bag for the kid. And they opened it? And they opened it. And it was basically like, well, there's nothing here that my kids will eat. In a deli? Yes. Which he was like, you can order every single thing at this place. You could order a hamburger at six in the morning. You could order an egg sandwich. That's the joke about delis. It's like anybody who asks for a menu gets like a dirty look because it's a diner. You can get anything you want. Every single thing. (laughs) So he said the owners like really pushed back and they were like, you can't eat here. No, that's not acceptable. Oh, interesting. And what I found interesting about this guy, when I I really liked like this is he said, you know, at the end of the day, you also have to think about customer service and that uh, you could say, you know, please don't do that next time. But you're going to feed four or five people anyway. It. So it's not like it's just like the kid alone coming in to sit down with McDonald's. Right. So in other words, saying like, we'll let you this time. But I also think it, like 
I don't know. I would be embarrassed. Like, I would think other people at the restaurant, maybe I'm just more aware of what people think about me. Oh, but I, I would think too. the other people in the restaurant would be like, ooh, that's so crass. Yeah. I did. And, you know, and the other thing, And too, not just because it's McDonald's. Right. Like, if you brought in a takeout box from the Four Seasons, I would think it was really weird. So well, now here's the question, deli. though. Like, yeah. do you think your dad would have done it or, you know, someone else would have done it if it was a fancy restaurant? Because I think sometimes people just don't understand how, like, like fancy restaurants were. I think that's a really good question. And I don't think he would. I yeah. don't think he would. Now, my stepmother's lactose intolerant, so I've seen her, like, bring her pills or bring certain things so she can eat. And, like, I think that makes perfect sense. Like, again, if you have serious food problems, I get it completely. Yeah, totally. And I think when it's a condiment, I get it. But to save the money. And so what I said to him <laughs> is, I can see if it's maybe a secret little thing of syrup that you sneak in under the table, maybe. <laughs> but to, like, plop it on the table is, like, flaunting it in their face, right? Yes. And, and he said, well, their syrup isn't that good anyway. And I said, well, okay, by that logic... That would be like saying that you can just bring your own burgers into McDonald's. And he goes, well, that's probably a good idea. Oh, gosh. I get the sense there's no convincing him. But the next time we're out, and if that happens, I will happily give the $2 to pay for the not-so-great I slip Vermont like the syrup. $2 on the side oh. when he's not looking we walk out. No, actually, he's a super foodie, and he goes out a lot, and he eats at tons of restaurants, and he's really supportive of all his local places. And that's why it kind of surprised me. And so I don't Maybe it's a generational thing. I'm not sure. I did have the grandmother who used to like put all of the rolls like in a napkin in her bag at the end of (laughs) our producers nodding. (laughs) This is like a Jewish grandmother thing. She would take all the dinner rolls and like put them in her bag because it was like they were hers. She paid for them. They're on the table. I did that with all the Advil at the hospital after I had the baby. So (laughs) So now it's the reverse. (laughs) You took all the free Advil. So now it's the reverse. People used to like take as much as they could out of the restaurant. Now they're bringing it into the restaurant. I'm bringing my own kale the next time I eat out in Brooklyn. Liz. <laughs> I like my own hydroponically grown kale. Well, personally. look, I want to hear from the listeners because this is such a funny thing, right? And I don't think we're alone. I think this happens more than we think. So you guys tweet us at Cool Mom Picks with a hashtag Spawn Show. Come on over to Facebook and say hi or email us spawned at coolmompicks.com. And let us know when is it okay to bring your own food into a restaurant. We really want to know. I bet people have all different points of view on this. All right, so we're going to talk about when you should intervene with your kids, but first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Amulet Books. Book three in the hilarious science-themed children's book series from Amulet Books, Frank Einstein and the Brain Turbo is perfect for fans of everyone's favorite Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Don't you love that one? My kids kid? love those. Yeah, yeah, I know. We have like a collection of them. And it's great for new chapter book readers who are looking for something funny and smart to read. I have to say, like my kids, I don't know about yours, they need to read 15 minutes every night. And... We're up to 30 minutes. Wow. I know. Well, so we they are... could tear through this. <laughs> We're almost done. I mean, who doesn't love a book that integrates real science facts with adventure, humor, and everyone's favorite, robots? Books just get better with robots, don't they? Yeah, they do. And this six-book series follows the adventure of kid inventor and scientist Frank Einstein. I love that Frankenstein. (laughs) His best friend Watson and his two robots, Clink and Clank. So definitely check out the third book in this hilarious series, Frank Einstein and the Brain Turbo from Amulet Books. Okay, so this must be like the day of Liz's anecdotes. So here's what happened. My daughter was starting school, and she looked at the class list before school started, and she's in fifth grade now. She knows pretty much every kid in the grade. And she realized that all of her good friends were not in her class. Ugh, that's a bummer. one exception, and she was really upset about it. 
And I was trying to think how to handle it. So you did what all parents do. I did. I went to Facebook. <laughs> and I said, you know, she got this letter. She's really upset. Like, to cry, point of crying, she was really, really upset. Friends are very important to her. She felt like she had some bullies in her class and some kids she, that were not nice to her and that her really good friends had been separated and it was the last year. And that stuff matters, especially when you're a 10-year-old girl. And so I was sympathetic and I listened to her. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of just said, let's just wait and see what happens on the first day. We haven't even started school yet. You know, there may be new kids in the class. Let's see what happens. And then I ran to Facebook and said, what would you guys do? <laughs> and there were really fantastic answers. People had great suggestions, like about signing kids up for classes together. Oh, our friend Josette Plank. Amazing idea. She said, have a breakfast club. Like every Friday morning, have everyone come over for smoothies at your house on the way to That is school. adorable. I know. She come loved on. that idea. So there were great ideas. But here's what was interesting. On the feed, quite a few people were like, don't even think about calling the principal. Really? Yeah. Don't don't intervene for her. Don't, don't step in. Kids need to learn failure. And it's funny because I was never thinking about, like, pulling her out of the class, which, right. by the way, our school makes a big deal about, like, we're not changing their teachers, so don't even try. I don't think most schools are yeah. like that, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so that wasn't, that wasn't even my inclination. But I think it's interesting that so many people are used to parents who, I think, jump right in and try to solve their kids' problems, that their instinct was that that's what I was looking to do, too. And I was like, oh, I didn't even consider that. I was just trying to think of, like, what to say to her and how to handle it and how to make things better. And quite a few parents really thought that when you ask for help with your kids, what that means is in what way should I intervene and fix it for them? Ah, that's interesting. And so that led us to a discussion about, you know, when do you fix things for your kids? Well, you know, my mama bear button is strong. Like, that's one thing that I've learned about having older kids now. Yeah. They're dealing with, you know, different situations where they're having trouble at school or, you know, hockey or whatever it is, is that I know that I am like instant 10 with mama bear. Mm. (laughs) Interesting. And I'm like, I mean, we had this thing with the neighbor across the street where my son was accused of doing something and I wanted to walk right over there. I mean, I'm not even kidding you. I was like, I'm ready. And this is someone I'm friendly with. So Really? Like, yeah. Don't mess with Chris. No. And I got the full story and I just kind of waited it out. And then I was able to text something that was kind of funny and it went away. Well, but- it sounds like there's a difference between getting more information and going in to change the situation using your force of will and power and aggression, <laughs> right? Well, of course there is. But I'm wondering why. Why do you think parents are so, so much about doing that? Now, I think it comes back to the kind of helicopter thing that we've talked about a lot. And actually, my dad, see, now my dad gets like the props in this episode, too. So he's a recruiter in advertising. He writes a really great blog. And one of his ongoing columns is My Adventures in Recruiting, where he tells really funny stories. And he had a story just from a couple years ago about his first encounter with a millennial mom, as he put it. <laughs> now, that, I think it's a little unfair. I know millennials get kind of beat up a little bit for being like this. Verbally, I, of I, course. I'm Gen X, and I definitely see this <laughs> in my generation, too. So it's not just millennial moms. However, he told this story. As a recruiter, he's got a friend who says, you know, would you mind seeing my son? That happens all the time. He's 23. He's out of college. So my father sets up a meeting with him, and the kid had to cancel. The young man, I should say, had to cancel for some reason. He apologized, rescheduled, not a big deal. That night, 
My dad got this long email from his mom. What? I know. What? She went into all this detail saying, you know, please change the appointment. My son had like all the stuff he went through. He just felt terrible. And my dad's like, he already handled it. It's okay. And then she sent back this long other note that was all about like, please don't hold it against him. And he was like, your son is 23 years old. You need to like not be emailing his recruiter. <laughs> like, dear recruiter, Johnny could not make it to his appointment today. Oh, <laughs> So weird. Right? Yeah, and that's so really people weird. are intervening with their adult kids too. So I think this is pervasive. I don't think it's just about like stepping in when your kid is not happy at school. Well, I think it's hard to deal with negative feelings. We've talked about this a lot. As parents, it's hard to deal with our own negative feelings and then to carry whatever it is, the anxiety, the fear, the frustration that our kids have is very challenging. Yeah. But I think one way that I try to approach the situation is to understand whether it's that my kids just need to vent. Oh. Or if they really need to problem solve. Or That's if it's really a little smart. bit of both. Because sometimes kids are okay. Like they had a fight with their friend. Right. And it's like you have to go call the parent. It's just that they want to be able to say, oh my gosh, I had a really tough day. I had a fight with so-and-so. And guess what? And then it'll be over you know, an that's hour. That's a really good distinction because my youngest, she has the most remarkable Justice League level sense <laughs> of right and wrong. She is like our she own does. superhero. She does. And she gets really hung up on things that seem unfair or wrong. And so, you know, she comes home with like, and this kid did this. And, and I'm like, I don't need to hear all these little things. I think she just is so like horrified when things are not as they should be. I realize that she's just kind of venting. And so I've learned like, it's not about me getting involved. I just have to talk her through, you know, you, I always say to her, you can't be the mom. Like sometimes she'll be like yelling at her sister. She's like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And I'm like, hey, I'm the mom. I'm doing a good job over here. You don't need to be the mom. That's why I make the big bucks. So wait, wait a second. No bucks for being a mom, but no lots of joy. Yeah, so she just wants to vent. Yes, and she I just mean, wants to vent. And so I've had to, you know, say to her, you don't have to be like the police. You don't have to be the arbiter of right and wrong in your classroom. Let your teacher deal with that. Yes. And so, in fact, I'm even telling my daughter like not to intervene with stuff that not everything is for you to intervene. Right. But then I see like a lot of the parents in the classroom, you know, we talked about the star chart. Yes. A couple episodes oh my ago. Gosh. And the parents were so upset when like their kid didn't get a star for good behavior in kindergarten and this kid got two stars and my kid got none <laughs> and he was so sad. And I thought, why are you even bringing this up? Like, just wait a few weeks and I bet you'll see it's not even an issue. So I really like your idea about whether the kid just needs to vent or whether they're using you as a sounding board. Oftentimes, if you have that period of venting, right, it allows you as the parent to sort of get it out of your system too. And then you can make a better decision about whether you do need to intervene in some way or not. I mean, I have a perfect example of this, actually, yeah. is that my son, his, who's eight, is in hockey and he joined a new team this year. And after like a few evaluations and a few practices, he got put on the B team. Oh. And his friends were on the A team. It's like, like yes. the stabbing yes. knife right through and your heart. look, to be fair, this is his second year. Uh-huh. And he does need to work on some things. But I also don't think that he is necessarily, uh, I, th- I would call him a B-plus player. You know what I mean? Like B-plus Like he minus. could have gotten into the He A-team. could have. That, so that must have been really hard for I you to figure out what to devastated. do. I was devastated. I was like bawling my eyes oh, out. Oh, Kristen, that's I know. Sad. I was really upset. And well, you nobody know likes to see their no, kids failing or disappointed. No. And so I talked to him and he was really great about 
about it. Yeah. And I debated as to, like, do I say something? Like, and what do I say? Because, dude, I wanted to call and be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But I took a, like, I took a moment or, like, a few, and I decided that I would just go talk to the coach and explain a couple things. And one was that he had never done some of those evaluations that they were kind of grading him on. Right. And the coach was like, really? I had no idea. Oh. And it gave some perspective to the coach. Like, oh, this kid has never done these. He's actually a great game player, but, but maybe hasn't qualified in this other way. In this area. The but other that's thing. that's good also for yes. the coach because now he knows what he can work yes. with him on. And I also said, hey, listen, I know that, you know, my son might not be like an A-plus player, but could you tell me, number one, what he needs to improve on? And number great. two, is there a possibility that if he does, that he could make the A-team? You know what you did? It's what we talked about in the last episode, assuming value. Yes. You assume that the coach is making a good choice yes. and you're asking him questions to get more information yes. instead of making accusations and demands. And you know what? I left it alone. And I said, you know what? We'll just go with it. We're going to do some clinics. And guess what? Hmm. He had an opportunity in a practice, and I saw them watching him, and he really did a great job. Ah. And they moved him up. You know what? And I had That's nothing awesome. to do with it. That's, I had well, nothing. wait, you did, but you intervened in the right way. You said, what is it he needs to learn, and how can he get better? You didn't say, put him on the A team or I'm right, pulling him out. This is ridiculous. I'm going to shame you on Instagram. <laughs> I'm paying a college tuition for this <laughs> might hockey. That's really good. We yes. had a similar thing when my daughter was in second grade. She auditioned to be in the Glee Club, and she got in. And I it's love sad. that you guys still have Glee Club, by I the way. I think that is so adorable. It's the only reason I know like any hip song. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Lumineers. Uh, yeah, I totally know them. And it's because my daughter is singing them <laughs> in second grade. So anyway, she's in the Glee Club, and she came home devastated that she was the only kid in the class that did not get a solo. Uh. Now, if she's anything like me, she didn't because I was the kid in choir as a kid that was told to only mouth the words, please. <laughs> so I can't say no. I was totally surprised. Well, it turns out she actually has a pretty good she voice. She does. I've heard um, her. But for whatever reason, she didn't get the solo. And I said, well, maybe you will next time. You know, that's what happens. The next day, interestingly, I dropped her off at school and the Glee coach grabbed me and she said, thank you so much for not calling me out in this. I said, what do you mean? She said, uh, do you know how many like <laughs> moms out there would have like written this angry email right away saying, can you give my daughter a solo? And I was like, no, we talked about how sometimes you don't get everything you want all the time. The teacher hugged me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she said, do you uh, know how much I appreciate that? Yeah. Because I think teachers are like, they make a decision, then they like crouch in defensive mode. Like they're ready that to stinks, get punched in the face. probably true. I know. And then it turned out that like something really awesome happened to my daughter the next day in class. Like she got voted for something really great that nobody else did. And so I said, see, some things you don't get, some things you do. But I will admit, there are times that my inclination really is to intervene. Sure. I think it's natural. But I think... Those are often the first reaction, right? It's right. like, oh, how could this happen? This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If we're all able to take a moment and let our kids vent, yeah. Sometimes things are lost in translation, right? And I, yeah. need, I need to vent too. The, the unreliable yes, narrator. <laughs> the unreliable narrator. And like, look, I need to vent too. And then I feel like we can make a better decision because, look, there was an instance where Quinlan was having an issue with another child, mm -hmm. and I really did need to be an advocate for her. I did need to set up a meeting. I did need to go in and talk to them and find out what the action was that they were going to take. Wow. You know, yeah. so it wasn't like I could just be like, "Well, you can take care of that," or like, you know, you'll figure it out. 
because I've had their time. Yeah. And I've had stuff with like bullies with kids where I've talked to the teacher about it. And and then it's interesting because I'll hear from other parents. Oh, yeah, I've had three meetings already with the administration about that bully. And I've said and I thought, oh, maybe I'm not intervening enough. Like, I just kind of assumed the teacher was taking care of it. And people were like, oh, no, I went and talked to the class coordinator and the principal and the vice principal. And oh, this wow. kid needs to be in a different school. And <laughs> I was like, geez. Whoa. And I thought I was, like, tiptoeing into the teacher's room going, can I talk to you about a little question? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not actually, as, as much as you might think I am, I'm not really that confrontational. Even though my inclination is to do it, I don't all the time. I don't know. When do you think is the right time to intervene? Well, my oldest is old enough where we can have a discussion about it. And so we talk about it because the other issue about intervening is that you can actually end up embarrassing your kid. <laughs> oh, you know, actually, that was my response to my father's post. Yeah. I was like, this 23-year-old guy who's interviewing, he must be mortified oh. if he knows his mom is calling his recruiter. I know. Or can at you least imagine? you hope that he is. Because if he's not, then there's something really wrong. Yeah. Happening. No, there's tons of stories about parents calling college admission officers and coaches and of basically adult children, and I would be horrified. Right. So, I mean, I kind of take that into consideration. Like, is this going to be something that she's going to be embarrassed about? Also, she's 11, so she's embarrassed about me, like, looking at her. (laughs) So (laughs) a lot of it is knowing your kid and being able to trust your child. And when they say, no, I've got this, then you say, okay, I understand. But for me, it's always the end game. Like, what's going to be the result of me intervening? Are they going to learn anything? Are my kids going to learn anything? Or am I saving them from something that they actually do need to learn for a future situation. I think it's hard. I think as parents, we don't want to ever see our kids hurting. We don't want to see them failing. We don't want to see them feeling less than. So I think the reaction is totally normal. Here's the differentiation, guys. Yes. From the therapist standpoint, do they really need an intervention or do they need empathy? And I think if you can differentiate between whether you actually have to dive in and do something or if you just need to say, you know what, that really stinks. Or, you know, I wish I could change this for you or I wish I could make it better. But don't you think it goes further than that? Don't you think sometimes things need to change and the question is whether the child should change it or whether you should try to change it for them? Like what do you mean? Give me an example. So let's say a kid is being mean to Thalia in class. Do I call the parents and intervene and take action? Or do I say to her, here are some tools for you to use if the kid is being mean? I think it depends on how bad it is. But I would go with that. Here's what you can do, Thalia, first. Because I think that's the bigger issue that most parents are having. And I think your point is awesome about learning whether they need to vent or whether there's a real problem. But once you've determined, like, okay, there actually is a problem going on, I think it's the question about whether we get involved and fix it for them. And sometimes there are times to do that. Yeah. And whether we talk to them about it, give them alternate possibilities and solutions and tools to be able to handle conflict. Well, I mean, if their safety is at risk, then I would say, like, I'm going to intervene. If they're like, you know, the kid showed up with a machete (laughs) in class today. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, here's some good tactics. Here is a shield. Can you fit that in your backpack? Oh, maybe not. Bullying is a big deal. Yeah. And like true bullying. And I'm not talking about like making fun of or like poking fun. I'm talking about true bullying. I think those are things you don't mess around with. Right. But I feel like I want my kids to be able to handle it. And I feel like it's my job as a parent to give them those tools. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, then I'm coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just talked about a column in Motherload in the New York Times that talks about this, right? About schools having to kind of micromanage parents now because parents are so involved in 
Right. I mean, some business. of it's little stuff. Like if you, you know, your kid leaves the homework home, do you deliver it? Or, you know, if your kid forgets something, do you remind them? I ask myself this question. Is this the time where they need to learn this lesson? Right. Is That's this great. the moment? Do they need to forget this homework today and have to deal with it? Maybe it's the day. It right. wasn't a big deal. It was spelling homework. They're not going to get in super trouble, but they're going to get. it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Right. But like if it's a big, huge, super project, they're going to fail. Like, I don't think this is the day to That's learn the lesson. That's good advice. That's a really helpful way to look at it. I found this article in Psychology Today about helicopter parenting and basically how we're raising a nation of wimps. Oh, yay. I know. Yeah, yeah let's attack the parents. <laughs> so Jeez. anyway, but here was the one. One quote that I really liked, there was a psychologist named Michael Unger. What he was saying is the point of parenting should be to grow a child who is capable of taking on adult tasks. And now he was talking about college admissions specifically, that there's a difference between coaching kids on how to fill in applications and deal with admissions officers, but doing it for the child is misguided and short-sighted. And that the long-term strategy basically, and we've talked about this before, is we are raising adults. Right. We're not raising yes. children. Yes. So I think giving kids tools as often as possible to learn how to manage these things in life. Probably a good idea. Adulting is hard, Liz. Adulting, Adulting is, is hard. hard. Is that a verb now? <laughs> I'm making everything a verb. I really want to hear from the listeners on this one because, look, we don't have the answer. It's yeah, like, I think tough it's tough. One. And I think we all just want our kids to be safe and happy. But I think we also want them to learn the lessons they need to be able to get through this thing called life. Yeah. So if people have advice or your own tips and tricks and how you decide when to intervene or not, please drop us an email. We're at spawned at coolmompicks.com or you can tweet us at coolmompicks with a hashtag spawn show or, you know, like us on Facebook. We get really lively over there sometimes, especially late at night. A little punchy. Yeah. Come on over. All right. So it's now time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Okay, so this week, my cool pick of the week, it's called Unicorn Tears Gin Liqueur. (laughs) Is that genius? It's my favorite thing ever. Unicorn Tears. And it looks like, (laughs) I don't know, like those old bottles of like Goldschlager, kind of like all white and sparkly and beautiful. And it says Magical Mother's Ruin, which I love. (laughs) And, And the description is... Mark an ode to this majestic beast by drinking its tears. <laughs> All I have to say is I knew that unicorn tears tasted like gin because I love gin. And I'm not surprised at all. I'll have a unicorn tears and tonic, please. <laughs> so anyway, I've never tried it. It's dusted with 100% edible real silver pieces. So I see like gold sugar, but silver. The bottle is awesome. And as our managing editor of Cool Mom Eats, Stacey Billis, put it, it's what our 11-year-old selves thought we would be drinking on our 21st birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my cool pick of the week. I'm going to try it and let you know how it is, Kristen. I'm going to track this down. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's awesome. I think I might need some of that for my pick of the week. Actually, that's not even true. But mine are board games. What board games? Oh, my gosh. All the Think Fun games. Have you tried those? I like that company. They're a cool, oh, smaller they- Company. Such good stuff. Okay, so we have featured their their coding game on Cool Mom Tech. Yeah. But what's funny is that I saw it and I was like, you know what? I recognize that logo. Well, it turns out I have like four of their games in my house. Yeah, they really specialize in STEM games for yeah. families that are awesome. Yeah, Great brain so games. I, you know, my son loves chess, but yeah, he, he's it, good. It, it exhausts me mentally. He kicked our butts. <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. So they have a solitaire chess game. They also have a game called Queens. I believe they make the game Swish. Um, if they don't, that's still a good game. And then Robot 
Turtles is the one that we covered right. last year, which was the one that teaches programming fundamentals to kids as young as four. Yeah, and I, it's I just, fun. They're just really well done. The solitaire chess is actually a really fun brain teaser. So is Queens. It's kind of like connect. You know four. what? I think they do Zingo also, and oh. that's like one of my. Favorite, favorite preschool games. Like, if you guys are killing yourselves Ugh, over one more candy, game of Candyland. Good God Almighty. Did you used to be the person that would, like, be like, oops, I snuck my person to the end. Oh, I would, like, <laughs> shuffle the cards on purpose. We should do a whole thing about ways to ways win to, Candyland. That's or a ways to cheat so the game is over <laughs> yes. sooner. Yes. Well, anyway, if you get sick of that, they have a game called Zingo, which is so fun. It's really good. Yeah. They have so many out there. You know, those are just a few of our favorites. I found them at our local toy store, but you can also find some of them at Target. It's Think Fun and, you know, it's a great way to change up if you're doing Monopoly, Connect Four, Sorry. You need something I love that. And until then, if you are stuck playing lots of Sorry and Candyland and Shoots and Ladders, you can drown your sorrows in some unicorn tears. (laughs) So our picks go together this week. I love when that happens. (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of Spawned with Kristen and Liz. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We love that you guys give us a little bit of your time and we know how valuable that is as a parent. Thanks so much to our producer, Sarah Abdurrahman, as well as Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers from Panoply. Which my kids call Panoply, by the way. Yes, Panoply. I'm sure they're not alone on that. (laughs) And if you guys have ideas for us, you want to say hello, we would love to hear from you. You can email us, bond at coolmompicks.com. We're on Twitter at coolmompicks. That's P-I-C-K-S, by the way, if you haven't figured that out. You can use the hashtag Spawn Show or pop over to Facebook and say hi. And you know what? What? I think people should leave us a review on iTunes. You know what? When people do that, it's really nice. We're not supposed to be, like, admitting that we check our reviews and get all happy and call each other and go, we got a really nice review. But, but we, you know what? We, we do, do. We do that. We totally We're really, do. totally geeky, stupid that way. So just know that if you leave us a nice review, you will be the cause of me calling Kristen and squealing like a little schoolgirl. Yeah. <laughs> so leave us a review. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And you know what? Thanks for listening. We are so happy you joined us. This is Liz. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.